Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the show today. It is just Pastor Russ and Pastor Jonathan and myself in the studio. How are you guys doing? Good, but I, I, I feel like maybe, did we just get insulted? Just? <laughs> yes, only. <laughs> I was hoping you guys didn't pick up on and that. Limited to. Uh, so up until about 30 seconds ago, I was fine. Yeah. My, my sensitivities are up. Actually, uh, fine. Uh, wonderful. It's good to be here. Hey, brother, what are you preaching on Sunday mornings? Go ahead, Russ. I'm working through the book of Acts, so I just got done. I'm at Acts, Acts 15. We're just finishing up uh, the Psalms of Ascent. One of our, we had a summer series here in the studio on the Psalms, but nice. we're doing the Psalms of Ascent. We're, we're, we have two more of those 15 Psalms to go through, and then we'll look to something else. And then technically, you're, we're still in summer, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That's our summer series. Yeah, yeah. In the and, September, I think we switched to yeah, fall. So. And that's about the time we're finished. Yep, yeah, excellent work. So, Jonathan, <laughs> if somebody wanted to catch some of those sermons, where would they go to listen? You can uh, you can go to Dayspring Boise URC on YouTube and find them there. Okay, and then Russ? Uh, same place. You can go to YouTube and just search for Cloverdale URC. Awesome. All right, well, we have been going through some theological questions that are some of the most popular ones that people ask. And so today we're asking the question, what does it mean for us to call God our Father? I think that's it's one of the unique things about the New Testament revelation of who God is to us. Um, you know, one of the thing, one thing is uh, because uh, Christ is um, called our brother, he he's made, he makes us sons and daughters of of the Lord, uh, so that uh, God is our our Father. We are adopted into this forever family mm-hmm. um, because of Jesus Christ. And I think that this is the one thing that kind of it's a a huge distinction. I there's a a wonderful chapter in uh, Knowing God by J. I. Packer that mm-hmm. talks about this adoption about adoption. Um, it's one of the things that we don't talk very much about. We we talk about justification and sanctification and even glorification, and, you know, in in heaven. But one aspect of our salvation is that we've been adopted into the family of God. So God reveals Himself as Father, you know, and uh, it's not foreign in the Old Testament, but it certainly blossoms in our understanding in the New. Mm-hmm. Um, a great place to see this is Matthew chapter 6 um, in the Sermon on the Mount. We, I think we just read it so quickly that we, we don't see how often Jesus refers to God as the Heavenly Father. Um, and we have just so had that as a teaching that our Father, which art in heaven, um, that we don't, we're not startled by that. 
but his Jewish audience would have been quite surprised by these references because it's not that the Old Testament never referred to God as as the Father. Very seldomly, though. But it I was mean, like, very rare. Like a handful I, of times. I was hmm. thinking the number was two or three, but I don't know that mm-hmm. as a fact. But it's very small. And now all of a sudden in this chapter, it's constant refrain of your father, your father, your father. Well, it's part what? of the reason why the Jews were so offended at Jesus in John 5 you know, they picked up stones to stone him because, or they were planning on stoning him because Jesus was calling him, uh, Jesus was calling God his father, making himself equal with God. And so there was, I mean, this was part of the offense of Jesus. Right. And, you know, the mention of uh, the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, it's a reminder that when we pray, we're praying on family terms. You know, mm-hmm. actually, the beginning of the prayer and the and what oftentimes we pray in Jesus' name, that's praying on family terms. You know, we we're on family terms because we're related, been adopted into this family. Yeah, you know, there's this great quote. I actually just preached this on Sunday night, Matthew six six, where Jesus says, "But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and and pray in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you." I think that's a, such an incredible passage because Jesus could have addressed God simply as God mm-hmm. or, or any of the other titles, Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, but he specifically chose the title Father because he wants us to see that our duties aren't to some kind of just, you know, bare sovereign, but to our, our Father. John Owen had this great quote in Communion with God. John Owen was one of the, the premier English Puritans, and he said this, the greatest sorrow and burden that you can lay on the Father, the greatest unkindness that you can do to him is not to believe that he loves you. Mm-hmm. And I think Owen is right. He already gave us the greatest proof of his love by sending his own son. He didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. And that's why we can have this intimate fellowship with him. There's a confession, Lord, or the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 10, talking about the providence of God, and it's talking about God's rule over all things. And it ends by that nothing comes to us by chance, but by his fatherly hand. Mm. Um, And to me, what does it mean for us to call God our father? It, It does mean that even in the most difficult times, there's a tenderness that always accompanies um the the pain or the struggles or the trials that we go through because if we truly believe that God is sovereignly controlling all things and governing over all things we can also at the same time say what the catechism says that nothing comes to us but by his fatherly hand mm-hmm. um, and so there's a level of trust there's a level of of goodness even in in the difficulty mm. before we move on I I'm reminded of that quote by J.I. Packer that says, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, Everything that is distinctively Christian as opposed to merely Jewish is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. 
Can I just quote one more thing from the Heidelberg? Mm-hmm. It says, I trust God so much that I do not doubt that he will provide whatever I need for body and soul and will turn to my good whatever adversary he sends adversity he sends upon me in this veil of tears. He's able to do it because he's almighty God. He desires to do this because he's faithful father. Yeah. Yeah. And Amen. I think there's just a richness there mm. of, of knowing I have an almighty God yeah. who's a faithful father. Yeah. Maybe you're a listener today and you had an earthly father who was abusive or absent or you don't even know him or and that makes it difficult for you to connect with this idea of a heavenly father. And I would just say, if you're a Christian, you already have enough information. Just meditate on the fact that God gave his only son for you. I mean, God refused to let you die in eternal misery so much so that he willingly punished his son because he actually wants to be with you. That's, that's, that should take our breath away. All right, well, we're on the next question. Scripture says that Christ stated the unforgivable sin as being blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Can you expand on that? And how should I pray for someone committing that sin? I think that this is a problem for a lot of people, uh, and we need to be sensitive to uh, the tender consciences out there because they understand that they've sinned before a holy God. They understand that God won't wink at sin, and he doesn't ignore sin. But as we've talked oftentimes on the Gospel for Life, that uh, Christ paid the penalty for all of our sins, that when we receive him, we know that our sins are forgiven. And one of the things that God the Father can't do is he can't punish uh, our sins in Christ and punish them in us too. So we don't pay the, we, we, the penalty is not paid twice. And, but in saying that, the ultimately the unforgivable sin um, you know, God's, uh, Jesus says in Mark chapter 3, verse 28-29, Assuredly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven of the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. Ultimately, this blasphemy of the Spirit is the rejection of, of God's saving work. You know, the, the Spirit makes Christ known. Blasphemy of that is a rejection of, of Christ. That's right. And ultimately, there's no, you know, it's the one sin that can't be forgiven because it's the one thing that, the one sin that's never sought repentance of. That's right. Typically, you can say that those that are concerned about committing the sin against the Holy Spirit haven't. Generally, yeah, you can say that. Uh, I mean, because, it's not an because, absolute, but. Yeah, yeah. Because they it, still because have if a tenderness. You were, yeah, if you were worried about that, it's something you probably you haven't done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, I can't say that absolutely, but typically if you've committed the, the sin against, the unpardonable sin against the Holy Spirit, there's a callousness, there's a hardness where the conscience has been seared. Um, I tend to look at it as a Romans 1, that God has given them over to the desire of their heart to live according to their own um, to themselves. Interesting, because I was viewing it slightly different. Okay. You could totally be right. I was thinking, in terms of our human ability to see another person, uh, that person has an opportunity to repent and believe the gospel up until the day that they die. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so if someone is despairing and say, well, I've committed the sin against the blas- uh, I've, co- I've blasphemed the Holy Spirit, so therefore there's no hope for me. I think that's a fallacy. I, I agree. Okay. Okay. I'm just saying that if they're that, that person is saying is in despair about thinking that they may have done that, probably more than likely they haven't done that. Right. Yep. Yep. Is where I'm at. Absolutely. Anything to add to this, Dr. Jonathan? Uh, no, no. I, <laughs> thank you for that uh, promotion. He, he's just he's just making up for the. It's just us it's, uh, and yeah. Jonathan. Yeah, uh, I've been promoted to having a PhD now. That's right. Well, you know, I I do think that uh, you know, as I said, we need to be sensitive uh, to those who have a stricken conscience and remind them uh, that there is forgiveness in in Christ. Ultimately, the rejection that we're talking about that would be the unpardonable is to, to uh, remove ourselves from God's saving work. And I think that, you know, what's, what was, I'm trying to think of the atheist right now. He's lost, uh, I lost train of thought. I mean, here's a person that obviously knows God, um, and, he, and as he's dying, he's telling people, well, if, I, if, if somehow I lose my mind and call out to God, that's not for real. Mm. It's the ultimate blasphemy against the Holy Spirit's revelation to him. Yeah. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We're glad that you joined us today. If you want to get caught up on some of our past broadcasts, we actually have some, I think, some pretty good shows, especially the ones that I wasn't a part of. Uh, You can just subscribe to The Gospel for Life. um, And we hope to see you next time.